0: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday
1: edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like because when I shot I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of mess. Uh...
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On podcast network. Your team every day.
1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 936, yeah, I think, of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, April the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure that you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows covering all of your favorite teams in the big four sports, as well as the NCAA, if you're an NFL fan, for example, go listen to your corresponding team's Locked On show ahead of tonight's draft and after tonight's draft and uh, all throughout the weekend, as I believe lots of bonus content's coming out covering the multi-day NFL draft. You can also go back and listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, which ran over the course of the last week or so on its own separate podcast feed. Just look up Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 and you'll find it. Uh, All right, on today's show, it's just me going solo to answer some mailbag questions. Before we get to that, though, just a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app, now available on iOS and Android, and uh, join us tomorrow, 10am, myself, Katie Vivek, doing a little Locker Room, taking your questions and having a little chat uh, after the Raptors play the Nuggets tonight. That'll be a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, download the app right now. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Okay, let's get to your mailbag questions today. We got a wide range of questions from questions about vibes, a couple questions about Kem Birch, uh, and uh, a few more different questions here. What next season might look like Kyle Lowry to the Sixers rumors and all that good stuff uh, or bad stuff, depending on how you feel about that. And uh, we'll get to it all. So let's dive in here. Let's start with the Kem Birch questions, because Kem Birch has been the topic of conversation quite a bit recently, for good reason. Kem Birch is awesome. He's very, very good and fun, and has been a delight to sort of see him discover these powers he has that the magic just said, no, you are a power forward who plays next to Nikola Vucevic, and sometimes a backup center with our 7,000 other centers, and we're not really going to use you. Kem Birch being used as, I guess, intended by the Raptors, and it's very fun and exciting. So a couple questions about Kem. First one here comes from, uh, at6dog asks, now that Kem is a few games in, what are some things that have stood out to you watching him play besides being able to catch and dunk a ball? Obviously, being able to catch and dunk a ball is uh, top of mind, considering what a severe lack of uh, that the Raptors had all season long with Aaron Baines playing center and no center is playing center. Um, and so, yeah, the, like the catching, the the work on the roll, the delicate finishes off glass where they're not being bricked and fired off towards the nail. Um, that, that's a really good thing. I, I think the thing that's really kind of stood out to me with Kem is that He is a lot more mobile and a lot more sort of skilled than I expected. I figured, you know, this guy's probably not going to be able to dribble very much. He's going to be very much a rim runner and he'll get some offensive boards and all that. And he's done all that. But there have also been a couple little flashes here of him being able to put the ball on the deck a little bit and not sort of kick it away. He's obviously very skilled and quick on the defensive side, sort of switching out into other smaller guys um, with the mobility there. That's such a value to have, obviously. Um, And it's honestly something that it didn't even really have with Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Those guys would rarely switch on to smaller guys. Gasol could do it. And of course, in the finals, his sort of calling card was switching up and hedging high and getting in Steph Curry's face and not getting blown by because he was able to kind of track back and play the angles and all that stuff. And he's just so freaking large that it worked. But in terms of just like a pure switching five who can go and hang with a smaller guy in the perimeter, they haven't really had that in a long time. And Kem Birch has shown a lot of flashes that he can be that. Um, So that's been a nice thing. I just think overall, he's just a way more skilled and sort of fluid basketball player than I had ever really expected. And that maybe he even really realized when he was playing for the Magic, considering the comments he had about their development system kind of stagnating and things like that. So um, those are the things that really stand out. And that leads to our next question here from ASP, who asks, is Kem Birch good enough to be our starting center next year? His defense is great. His, offense fit, his offensive fit is good with the rest of the starters, though we need Lowry around. Uh, he is a quick decision maker on offense, and that's something that many average bench or starting centers don't do. I, so I still think that the ultimate goal should be to find some kind of upgrade at center if they can. You know, Kem Birch is a very nice player, and... If he's coming off your bench, he's one of the better backup fives in the league, probably. If he's playing the way he has, he can kind of anchor those lineups defensively. He gives whoever the ball handler is, probably Malachi Flynn, a stable, steady, reliable role man to work with. So there's lots of reasons why you'd want Ken Burch to be your backup center. That said, with the way he's played... I don't necessarily think the Raptors need to go out and like overpay to get a starting center now because Kem Birch is the insurance. You could also potentially draft a center in the draft who becomes, you know, your eventual starter down the line, but he's sort of learning behind Kem Birch and in concert with Freddie Gillespie over the next couple of years. And that could be a totally fine way to go about it too. Again, my top priority is get a center. You know how much I love Miles Turner. You know how much that Chris Boucher, Rodney Hood, and Picks deal is in my brain as a thing I would like to see on draft night. But if they can't find a reasonable deal for a big who fits kind of all the, the boxes, you could do a lot worse than having Kem Birch be your starter. It'd kind of be like a Daniel Tice situation where, you know, the Celtics aren't really defined by who their center is. The center is just sort of like a utilitarian piece out there who's doing certain specific tasks and is very good at them. But, you know, you don't live and die with that guy. And if he doesn't end up playing and you're going small and things like that, you know, you're totally fine with that too. Um, but yeah, the, the way Ken has played, the sort of glow-up he's had, the improvement that he's kind of shown, the skills he's flashed do kind of make it so it's less of a pressing issue. And if the Raptors want to do the thing that they tried to do this year, where it was, all right, we're going to get a mercenary style, style center who maybe isn't the same as Gasol and Abaka, definitely isn't the same as Gasol and Abaka, but has, you know, X, Y, and Z skills that fit perfectly within our construct. You know, I think you could probably get by and justify doing that. Might the fan base revolt without a big signing at center? Maybe. But I think Kem Birch is kind of helping quell those fears a little bit, too. Um, it's just a nice place to be in. And it's just such a fortuitous set of circumstances that led to this very good, you know, passable, you know, borderline starting center just kind of falling into the team's lap, you know. It's a very lucky thing based on geography more than anything else. But you'll take it and go forward with it. And if they can c- continue to sort of mine some of these skills from Birch as well, maybe he does become an even more sort of starter-looking type of center. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's uh, it also kind of opens up up some things as well. If the Raptors figure, hey, you know, we can kind of get by with Birch. Gillespie potentially a draft pick. Maybe they take one of the the second round picks and use it on a project. You know, a, a developmental center type guy. Um, you know, if they kind of want to go that route, you could reallocate some of that 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 money, some of those funds and resources to. Another position on the team if you want you can go and find a scoring guard or something like that in the event kyle lowry leaves you can go and you know throw some money around or throw a couple trade options around or whatever it might be and instead of maybe trading for miles turner with that boucher hood and picks package you find some sort of scoring guard you can go and do that with you know there's lots of optionality that they'll have and sort of not having to go all out of their way to find an upgrade on center now is uh, is a nice place to be in again Hopefully they do find one because it can't hurt to have more good centers. And, uh, you know, a Miles Turner type, a rim-protecting guy who can shoot threes would be a wonderful fit on this team. And obviously the three-point shot is the thing Birch still lacks on a consistent basis, even though he's trying. Um, it's, uh, it is a certainly a really kind of different landscape for the offseason than I thought it would be, though, at the deadline, for example, when they didn't have the center depth and it seemed like that was going to have to be priority number one. They can be a little bit more sort of creative in how they use the resources this offseason because Birch kind of gives that insurance, which is a nice thing. I'm going to continue on, take a few more of your mailbag questions in the second and third segments. We've got questions about vibes. We've got questions about Kyle Lowry. We've got questions about 10-day contracts. A whole bunch more coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, so is the NHL. The NBA season, obviously, getting close to the end, and the playoffs coming up too. And you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go, too, as the NFL Draft is up tonight, and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action as well before the next pitch. Head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as your teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Playoffs, head to the website or use your mobile device right now and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on all one word that's betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts
2: the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs.
1: All right, we continue on taking your mailbag questions. Just a heads up, tomorrow's podcast will be a recap, uh, dropping late tonight uh, after the Nuggets game with Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic and TSN. Uh, first time appearance on the on, on the podcast. Very looking, very much looking forward to having Jamar on the show. Let's continue on here though and dive into. This question here from Eric Morris at Epic mopus who asked, The vibes of this team are so much better than they were pre-trade deadline. Can you think of any other in-season vibe improvement like this? Not necessarily Raptors exclusive. So I think I will keep it Raptors exclusive, just because it's hard to speak to the sort of fan psyche and the sort of vibes. It is very much a thing where you have to kind of keep track of things all season long. Um, you know, I think there's, sure, there are probably some teams that have you know, kind of found some magic mid-season. Probably that Heat team a couple years ago where they were 11-30 and in the first half and then were incredible to close the season. Even last year's Heat team, frankly, where they were kind of stuck in the mud and then became this finals-bound monster after the bubble and things like that. Um, So that's a potential option. But I do think for the Raptors... You know the the real obvious one is the 2013-14 season where they start out what was it like seven and thirteen or something like that. They trade Rudy Gay. Things seem like they're on track for some sort of horrid finish. Kyle Lowry's got his bags packed, ready to go to New York. Where's Demar Derozan going to be long term? And then of course they start winning games, and that turns the vibes around pretty quick. Funny how that happens. Um, so that's probably the closest thing. There was also uh, in the 2001-2002 season, if I'm not mistaken, might be 0203 the year where um, Vince Carter got hurt down the stretch of the season and this was kind of in the the dark periods where you know, Vince was beginning to start that divorce process with the Raptors, and things were a little bit frayed. And they go on a crazy run to close the season. I think they win like 18 of 19 to close the year and make it into the playoffs. Is just barely above 500. Um, I want to say that's 0102, but again, I could be totally wrong here. I'm not going to pull up Basketball Reference in the middle on the fly here. Um, but you know, the season of which I speak, they go into the playoffs. They take the Pistons to five in the first round. Um, you know, obviously they don't get by, You're not having Vince Carter's tough in the playoffs against the freaking Pistons. But um, that is probably another one where the vibes turned on a dime and kind of in a uh, depressing way because they turned when Vince Carter went out of the lineup, which is not what you want. Um, in terms of reverse, the reverse like, setup of this, I would say the 2014-15 season is kind of the inverse where the vibes to start that season were so unbelievably good. Lou Williams is burying the Cavs in Cleveland. DeMar's playing out of his mind. Kyle Larry's playing out of his mind. They start off 23-7 and then DeMar gets hurt. Things kind of spiral out of control in January and February, and by the end of the season, they're like this broken mess of a team. Lowry can't even jump anymore. His back is a disaster. They get swept by the Wizards. You got DeMar missing 360 dunks and losses to the lowly Knicks. That was uh, one of the worst experiences of of my fan life, and I uh, don't relish that. Don't want that to happen ever again. The vibes were similar, I think. At the end of that season as they were at the start of this season, and gladly or happily those things uh turned around. So good question. Um, let's continue on here. Next one here comes from uh at RapsFan1237, one of our faves. With the success of players like Freddie and Ronde, has there been an uptick in 10-day players having an impact this year? It seems like a lot of teams uh they're being added and playing major minutes immediately, possibly due to the schedule. Yeah, I think. You know, it's. I think it's interesting. We've seen fewer ten days get converted to full time contracts, I believe, but we've seen those ten day guys really kind of pop and, and have sort of parlayed those ten days into no, more ten days and are likely to get those full season contracts. Kind of in the Freddie Gillespie mold, um, in the next couple of weeks here as the season winds down, um, I think. Yeah, the circumstances around this season have kind of been conducive to other guys popping up. I mean, there's plenty of guys around the league, and this happened when Paul Watson went off for the Raptors, where it's like, that guy is in the league, and that guy exists, and he's got 30 points on his ledger now? That's pretty insane. Um and so yeah just the lack of availability the schedule the rest the injuries the covid all of it is kind of creating this opportunity for these sort of fringy nba guys to get an opportunity and those who are taking it and running with it are really doing so we've seen it with o'shea Brissett with the pacers for example who's averaging like 16 a game over his last five games um really happy to see him kind of figure that out it's a bit of a bummer he's not doing it in the raptors organization anymore but there were lots of reasons to move on from him at the start of the season um, Um, And happy for him that he's kind of figured things out and has used all that G League time to his advantage and become a pretty nice looking player for the Pacers and I believe got a contract out of it. Yeah, Rondé, obviously, you know, Rondé, I think, is a special case because he was like already an NBA player, already effective, had a good year last year, was surprising that he didn't get a full time contract. Um, And on the Blazers, where he, I believe, is the only player who even knows what defense is, it's it's a pretty good match made in heaven there for Portland, and Rondae Hollis-Jefferson. Obviously, Freddie Gillespie's made his way too. Um, yeah, it's been a nice year for 10-day guys and G League folks. And, you know, Alizé Johnson's doing the thing. Gary Payton, the second. But mostly guys tied to the Raptors have done quite well. Um, so in addition to it being a good year for 10-day guys, I guess it's a good year to hang your hat on the Raptors' development system as well. So uh, good on them. A couple more questions here. Uh, this one here comes from... Zeke, at Zeke underscore Raps underscore Fan. The Raptors have been better now that they have competent five-man play. Do you see this current roster returning next year and having success as a 50-win team, or do you think there are still major shifts to be made in the offseason? I've said this before on the podcast. I think they're going to be really good again next year. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Lowry, but to see what's happening with OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet, to have Gary Trent Jr. in the mix uh, and the sort of growing depth, Malachi Flynn kind of turning into a real pretty exciting player i think they're going to be good next year they have too much sort of built in floor to not to like have this happen again where the 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 floor kind of falls out um hopefully things are normal they're playing back at home they'll get that boost from the home crowd that they seem to desperately miss and they won't be dealing with covid and things like that because presumably most people will be vaccinated by then which would be great love to see that um Yeah, I've said it all along. This is in the sort of, is this a good team that's playing badly or a bad team that is kind of overperforming and has that positive point differential? In that debate, I come down on, this is a good team that has performed poorly because of circumstance. And I think, you know, all things being equal, this team probably is like a top four seed this year if they're just playing at home and not afflicted by COVID, right as they're kind of heating up and beating all these really good teams. I think they probably would have been In that spot, in the fourth seed, most likely, had they not contracted COVID and missed three weeks with their best guys and all the fallout from that with the rest and the fatigue and all that kind of bleeding into April, I really do think, you know, we're kind of seeing recently. This team is playing quite well now that they're at full strength and at full strength next season, you know, Lowry or whatever, you know, there are going to be lots of moves in the offseason, I'm sure. I think that's uh, it's all pointing towards things kind of resetting next year, and why um, you know I think for the tank crowd, I think that's kind of a reason why people have been sort of pro-tank is that they know it's not going to be a long-term sort of you know go down to the tubes for five straight years to try to get lottery luck this is a one year hope to cash out in a nice pick one time and then kind of go back to being what you are which is constantly relevant you know always a an injury away from sneaking into a conference finals or a finals and in position to potentially add a star through trade if uh, that opportunity comes along as well so yeah i i've said it before I think the last month and a half here of Raptors basketball, and we're kind of out of it already because things look better. um, I think the last month and a half is as bad as things are going to get for the Toronto Raptors and Raptors fans for the next little while here. There's a lot to be excited about going forward and uh, a little bit of pain might be worth eventually kind of what, what comes out of it all. We'll continue on here and get to a couple more mailbag questions to round out the show. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who, I've said it before, Rock Auto is awesome. It's one of the companies that I've actually used to sponsor our podcasts and I can't swear by them enough. They're awesome and you're getting car parts for dirt cheap basically when the mechanic at the auto shop when they say hey you need to get xx and x replaced they're just charging you the most they possibly can because they have the one part in house and there's nothing to compare to you're you're stressed out you're about to make a big expense and you're just like please fix my car sir and you're going to pay as much as they ask well guess what rockauto.com is not like that at all next time you need a part to be fixed for your car just go to rockauto.com's unique remarkably easy to navigate uh, catalog and just see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and the prices that you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you as well amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: All right, we got a few more questions here to round out the podcast. Sorry if I don't get to your question today. Um, we'll work them in at some point in a future mailbag, uh, or just send it again when I put it on the call next time. Uh, next question here. This one comes from Guided by Brody at Guided by Brody. He asks, "Is there any scenario that keeps Kyle? We get an upgraded center and not have to give up members of the core to achieve that?" Um, yeah, I think there is. And it, it all is tied to what I talked about in the first segment with Kem Birch. And if the Raptors deem that Kem Birch is the guy they want to go forward with as the starting center, which again, I don't think should be the main goal, but if it's something that they talk themselves into because they feel like they can make other additions on the fringes or on the, the rest of the roster... Then, yeah, I think you could see them re-sign Kyle with his bird rights. They could trade for a center using the Chris Boucher, Rodney Hood, and potentially other stuff package to go and find someone out there. And you don't have to give up the Fred, the Pascal, the OG, which I think is the core. And you could maybe slot Malachi Flynn in there. You know, some people might want to put Chris Boucher in there, and they've missed him certainly these last couple games, but if you're trading Chris Boucher for an upgraded center, I think that's more than fine, and I don't think I would classify Boucher as part of the core going forward here, considering he doesn't even have a guarantee on his contract next season. Um, So yeah, I, I think that's totally within the realm of possibility. It all depends on Kyle, and of course there's the news and rumors about Kyle and the... Uh, you know the, the the stuff with the uh, 76ers the coward 76ers of course who now apparently want to go pursue Kyle in a sign and trade this offseason um and if that happens hey maybe the raptors can land a nice little asset or a pick or something like that and kind of reevaluate from there if that's where Kyle wants to be that's where Kyle wants to be i still think there's a really good chance he's back just because it seems like the marriage is pretty strong right now between Lowry and the franchise, and if they can kind of run it back and put together a good enough team to compete, I, I can see him wanting to sort of ride out the string here and come back and get those heroes welcome in Toronto and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's doable. Is it the most likely outcome? Probably not, but I do think it's absolutely doable, especially if they deem that Birch is someone that they um, want to have as a starter or they draft a starting center. If they bump up to two in the draft and get Evan Mobley, there's no need, obviously, to go and trade for a center or acquire one. You just go forward with Evan Mobley and Kem Birch and sort of use that two-headed monster going forward here, and you can you know, do other things, of course, and bringing back Larry would be presumably one of those things. Uh, next question here. We'll kind of go rapid fire on a few here from Matthew to asks thoughts on Cameron Payne balling out on the Suns. Why do we give up on him? Um, it's awesome that campaigns balling out on the Suns. The Suns are a delight. They're one of the few teams in the league where I've watched their games and not actively hated the product all season long. Like their games never suck. Chris Paul's a delight and Campaign's been great. There are pl- plenty of reasons to move on from campaign and this happens all the time where teams give up on guys who then kind of catch on or find a role somewhere else later There wasn't really the role there for campaign to kind of get the run he's getting on Phoenix right now where they are kind of lacking guard depth. His only real competition for backcourt minutes off the bench is like Javon Carter, who's a nice player, but come on. Um, Whereas the Raptors had Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry kind of standing in the way. And I, I just I don't think you can begrudge the Raptors for moving on from campaign. He was probably the worst player in basketball when he was in camp with the Raptors. He was miserable and you know you can never know how things are going to happen and again it's a nice story that he's kind of found his calling but he was one of the worst players in basketball not just when he was in the raptors camp but like for most of his career with the bulls and the thunder he was just never good he could never hang on the floor and there were plenty of reasons to say all right this is not our guy we have our point guards we can move on and it's totally fine um but yeah good for campaign he's he's delightful um couple more quick ones here. This one comes from Cashton who asks, what player archetype should the Raptors be looking at for their first round pick this season to the extent that you should be drafting for fit? Of course, yeah, I don't really buy into drafting for fit. Obviously, you're not necessarily looking for an upgrade at the three or the four, considering you have Siakam and OG in there long-term. But again, you can never go wrong with long-rangey forwards, I suppose, and adding more of those to the mix. So, you know, a Scotty Barnes, for example, could still make some sense to fit next to those guys. Um, You know, I think if, if you had the druthers they would get a guy who can create his own shot and have the ball in his hands and sort of be the lead initiator for the team and kind of put everyone one slot down maybe not next year when he's a rookie but a couple years from now everyone kind of goes down one rung on the ladder in terms of responsibility and you know it kind of eases the burden on Siakam to create everything it eases the burden on Fred to be a true point guard all the time where we know he's kind of shooting guard heavy in terms of his play style and what he does best If you can get a legitimate like two guard who can handle the ball you know Jalen Suggs is a is a good example Jaden Springer Keon Johnson I think there's lots of guys kind of in that mold who could be the two of the future when you if you move Gary Trent to the bench this assumes Kyle's gone as well Um, you know maybe not next year maybe you're drafting a guy and he's coming off the bench next season and that's totally fine too Um, you know there's lots of options there's lots of different ways they could go they could draft a center as well I get a little bit queasy about that because centers do take some time to kind of develop I mean Look at Jonas Valanciunas. He has kind of now just reached his peak form, like eight or nine years into his career with another team. That's kind of it's a slow curve, and with the Raptors only having three years of guaranteed, you know, core together, I think you want to kind of fast track that center spot and get a more established piece right away, as opposed to banking on drafting one. Unless it's Evan Mobley, who's kind of a different kind of tier of center prospect, and you probably expect he'll be pretty effective, maybe from day one. So that's where I'm at there. If they can get some sort of shot-creating two-guard, um, obviously Kate Cunningham would be a delight. Keon Johnson, uh, Jaden Springer, you know, even like a, a Jalen Green. Like that kind of uh, vein of guy, I think is sort of what the Raptors should most be after because it is something that they need. That is the biggest glaring need on the team is extra shot creation. So, there we go. Uh, last one here. This one comes sort of a three-part question about Nick Nurse from Brian Echeveria. Um Sort of... Let's start with the beginning. Uh how many coaches have lost as many games as Nurse while having two all-NBA defenders, two really good defenders, and a center? And as Nurse, the Rex Ryan of the NBA, loves to blitz and elite minds burn the scheme, not the entire game, if they are winning or close, but in crunch time they get burned. Uh, goes on to say that he disagrees with blitzing general NBA talents who are calm under pressure, sending hard doubles at everything, seems classless uh, and maybe not the best way to do it. Elite talent is going to catch on. Um, and also uh, has Nick Nurse sort of involved with the bringing in of Baines and said that the team should be kept t- together for the season and all that stuff. Seems like there's a, an anti-Nick Nurse thought here from Brian. Look, I, I think Nurse has had his foibles this season coaching. I think he's leaned too hard on um, some sort of weird lineups when he's been at full health and things like that, but man, it's been a difficult year for Nick Nurse. He's had you know, I don't think he was necessarily responsible for bringing in Baines. Uh, you know, I think had Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka come back, that would have been lovely. I think he would have been totally fine with that. They had a plan B, and that's that's what it was. I don't think Nick Nurse's sort of thinking was, and I would kind of doubt it, because Nick Nurse has said, like, we don't have any centers. Some, like, he, we, we, need, we need the guys. We need the bodies. At the start of the season, he was talking about this. I don't think his sort of, I don't think he had anything to do with the, you know, the sort of cutting the short of the offers of Abaka and Gasol in the interest of maintaining twenty-one caps, 2021 cap space, you know, that's not what coaches do. They want to have the best team possible right away. And I'm sure he would have welcomed Gasol and Abaka back to the team. Um, you know, Baines, it's a difficult one. He was bad and much worse than ever expected. I don't think anyone thought he was going to be what he was or what he became when they first signed him. That was a lauded signing for good reason at the time. Um, in terms of the blitzing, yeah, I, I think they can kind of reign things in a little bit and get a little bit less aggressive and I think Kem Birch actually kind of allows him to switch more often and make things a little bit more conservative Um, and you know when you have two great defenders like OG and Siakam yeah maybe you should just play straight up a little bit more often but also the scheme works when you have the personnel, and we've seen that recently here. They've been at closer to full health. They've had more guys who can actually play the system. Kem Birch is very adept at it. He can kind of range around and also be that backstop at the rim that you badly need in that system where you're often giving up lanes to the rim. I have no problem at all with the Raptors continuing to play an aggressive defense. I think they should mix it up a little bit, which is what they've always done. They've been very multipled. They've been, you know, not afraid to try new things and get, you know, outside of the box. I would imagine the lack of practice time this season has probably been uh, a strain on defensive systems and things like that as well. Offense is out of control, and uh, you know this is going on everywhere. You know, the Raptors have been burned by three-point shooting, and they need to look at that and sort of figure out, okay, how do we counter this now that teams seem to have countered what we're doing? Um, but overall, I don't hate the scheme when you have the personnel and I don't think that's a Nick nurse thing. Uh, and I I think Nick nurse is a really damn good coach. You know, I don't think he's the Rex Ryan of the NBA. He has won a title. He led a 59 win team last year, 60 win team over the course of the full season. Um, you know, he's a really damn good coach. Who's done a lot to sort of wade through this miserable season with absences and guys out of the lineup and guys exhausted. Um, and I think, For the most part, when he's gotten a chance to kind of establish a routine and establish players playing together and get lineups some chemistry with one another, things have gone pretty well. And they've kind of snapped back to being the team that we thought they could be. Um, It's just all the different interferences have kind of gotten in the way. But I don't think that's a Nick Nurse thing at all. I do not think he is the Rex Ryan of the NBA because Rex Ryan does not have an NBA championship and is currently on television. Uh, That's going to do it. For today's episode, thank you to everyone who sent in your questions. It's uh, deeply appreciated. And um, yeah, I, I, I uh, will be back again tomorrow. Myself and Jamar Hines from TSN and Raptors Republic talking about the Raptors and Nuggets tonight. That should be a ton of fun. Locker room tomorrow at 10 a.m. as well with myself, Vivek, and Katie. Download the app. It's now available on Apple and on Android. So we look forward to seeing your beautiful faces in the chat and answering your questions and talking about the Raptors and the Nuggets. Should be a ton of fun. Thank you, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.